Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're kicking off our series of conversations with the most influential women in barbecue with Karina Rumens, a woman who prefers sides over brisket, cocktails over beer, and is the KCBS representative for Western Australia. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Hi, Karina. Welcome to The Confessional. It's great to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Ben. Good morning. Oh, yes. I, I, it, it is good morning for you, isn't it? We do have that uh, bit of a time delay between us. Just a little one. Yeah. Not too bad, though. Not too bad. So, how's things? Good. Busy. Yeah. Excellent. What- not as wet as what you've got it over there, though. We are slowly starting to dry out, although I do have a boxer currently covered in mud out on the back deck here because we took him out for a dog walk and I've been away at a barbecue festival all weekend and I came home, it's school holidays, so my son's home, and I asked him, has it rained while I've been away? He said, no, 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 it hasn't. So I took the dog out to the dog park with the boy and of course the boy was just playing with me because he wanted to see the dog run around in the mud. So uh, dog is currently drying on the back deck and boy will be washing dog. Um, when I'm finished here, so <laughs> full day for you. It is, yeah. It's it's pretty full on. So tell me, what was the last thing that you barbecued? I don't actually barbecue. I don't have the patience for it. I love barbecue. My skill set lies in eating barbecue, and I think that that is enough for me. Okay, fair enough then. Okay, well, I'll, I'll modify that question just a little bit then. Um, what was the last thing that was barbecued for you? Uh, brisket. Um, and I don't, I can't recall. It's always my preference. I always order brisket or um, when we get together with people who do Q and do it very well, um, brisket's always my go-to at competition. Um, I always manage to snag, uh, even though I, I'm not judging or competing, I'm actually there as a rep, I always manage to snag a burnt end to get me through the afternoon. There you go. Just one? One sets me up proper. My, <laughs> my partner in KCBS repping, Rob, will tell you that if I don't get that, I get a bit cranky during the afternoon. So he's got my back and he always makes sure that that I've got at least one to have a sample of um, before we have to go through our reporting. Yeah, fair enough. I can never stop at just one, though. I have to keep eating them until I'm virtually just rolling around on the grass. Well, we only ever get what's left over in the box after judging's been completed, so. True, fair point, fair point. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually running around the, uh, the comp yard with the camera, so I'm a little bit uh, more exposed to what's out there, I suppose, than, than you would be. Yeah. Um, Okay, so do you have a, a, well, I guess if you don't barbecue that much, then you might not have a favourite grill. Do you have a particular favourite barbecue or grill? No, no. I have, because I don't barbecue, I have massive amounts of respect for the teams. I have massive amounts of respect for the, the people who do, the people who have gone through the processes of learning, perfecting, doing their fire management, timing it right to wrap it and and then actually present it in those windows for competition barbecue. It's um, it's something that's completely beyond me. 
um, to have a crack at and I am a brat. I don't do delayed gratification. I want it now and I want to move on to the next thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably the best way I can put it. Fair enough then, yeah. Okay, so I I guess then if you're not a a barbecue cook or a barbecue pitmaster, chef, whatever, how did you get into barbecue then? Well, I used to, um, many, many moons ago, I used to cook for Vince Gareffa of Mondo Butchers. And uh, when he was hosting one of his butchers picnic um, in the city, one of the elements of judging Apprentice of the Year was to actually do a cooked dish at the end. And he phoned me up one year um, to be one of the people who judged the cook uh, cooked product and it was meat and three veg or whatever they wanted to do. When I went into there, it was in Forest Chase, and I went in there and I was assessing the uh, butchers. Once that was done, there was this staged area where all these people just walked in and sat down and they got served meat. And I thought, I'm looking for something hubby and I can do together. This is going to be a really easy sell. If I go home to him and say, honey, let's become barbecue judges. And he said, what's that? I said, meat. He said, sold. (laughs) So we started as judges together. Nice, nice. And so that was part of the Butcher Apprentice uh, competition. Who, who did the actual cooking of those meals? For the, but- for the part that I was judging was the actual apprentices. So they oh. had to turn in a dish each themselves. So they had done all their butchery, had been assessed on that by the butchers and the um, event staff that were there. I was one of a number of cooks who was brought in to uh, assess and give direct feedback for the cooked dish that they produced at the end as well. Right. That's interesting. I've never actually heard of a butchery competition where the butcher then has to turn around and cook the meat that they've just, uh, you know, trimmed and sliced and whatnot. That's fascinating. It was good fun. And just some wonderful young people having a really good crack and understanding the end product of what their trade was as well. Yeah, I can see that for sure. So what, what was it about the, the idea of judging that, that really sort of drew you to it? Was it just the idea of, hey, we get to sit down and eat some free meat or? Uh... Um, I, well, I've, I've always sort of liked food things to do, um, and, but my husband not so much, but because this was meat and he's a carnival, It was like I finally found something we can do together and we can enjoy together. So we did that for um, quite a number of years together. Oh, that's great. That's great. And uh, so from there then, from judging that that butchery competition, how did you then find your way into competition barbecue? Um, So we, um, through Vince, we talked to Stefan Jenner um, and then we, Uh, then liaised with him and let him know that we were interested in becoming judges. And so the next time he did shout outs for judges, um, Steve and I actually went along to the training course and um, started from there. Now, originally it was uh, in-house scoring and then at one stage they had ABA over and then they got KCBS over, which is where I met Garth Welsh, who is in South Australia. 
at that stage we were fully into the aspects of judging barbecue. It would, it would hold, it would engage us in conversation for a couple of hours afterwards before we finally got home and just went, give me a salad, I'm done for the day. <laughs> yeah, I, I quite often find myself reaching for anything but barbecue by the time I finished working at a barbecue festival. Mm-hmm. I think a lot Refresh of the competitors. The yeah, yeah. I think a lot of the competitors are the same too. Um, so you started off with uh, with some of Stefan Jenner's work there. He's done a lot of work with um, with charities and all that sort of stuff as well. Did you sort of cross over into part of that charity work that he was doing as well? Uh, not really, except for supporting the um, Smoke and Charity Barbecue events um, by being a judge and by um, encouraging people to come along as punters to try the trip, uh, tips for treats, uh, which was the element of fundraising that he was doing. Um, and I... Lifeline is something that has been well established uh, in Western Australia for a very long time and it's one of those things that you may not know it but somebody in your circle, small or big, has probably used their services at some stage. Uh, So it affects a lot of people and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of need to keep it going as well. So it was just it was just our way of contributing to that was to be part of the event in that fashion. Yeah, beautiful. They do some great work there. And uh, I understand that uh, Stephen has recently handed the torch over as well. We're going to be chatting with, uh, with Julianne a, a little bit later in the week, but uh, are you aware of any changes that might be upcoming or anything like that? Can you give us a sneak, sneak peek? Um, I don't know of any changes that are upcoming, but uh, changes have already happened in that Jules put, when she did her first um, event earlier this year, did it as a one-meet competition. So KCBS have recently um, uh, formatted a one-meet competition where it's just one of the four Master Series proteins, but your points count to uh, team of the year. And Jules did an event where she did two one-meet competitions on that same day. Logistically, it's a bit easier for the event organiser and for teams. It it reduces the exposure for event organisers because it's a one-day event. Teams don't have to worry about logistics for two days because they're showing up first thing in the morning, doing their cook and they're home for the six o'clock news, theoretically. Um, it was good fun. It was good fun. It ran, went off really well. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing and and hearing what else is coming up down the line. So just to sort of circle back to yourself then, how many how many competitions would you say you've judged so far? Um, probably probably a little over half dozen. Like we weren't we weren't really into it un, um, before I was approached to become a KCBS rep. And once you become a rep, you're then removed from sitting down and doing the judging or any other part of that. Our our participation in events is completely impartial to all of those things. Um, so we get to see it all. We just don't get to partake in judging or I don't get to partake in judging anymore. Yeah, fair enough. I can certainly understand that. So from the competitions that, that you have judged, do you, do you have a favourite competition that you've been to? 
Not really. I've I've certainly um, I've certainly enjoyed them all. Um, if I had to pick one, I would say going to uh, going over to Burley, and the the reason why that sticks out is because there were eight rounds, so a couple of um, ancillaries and an extra brisket round. That was that was some pretty hard slog. Um, it also gave Steve and I the opportunity to um, to meet the rest of the barbecue family, if you like. So to to actually be able to travel with barbecue um, and meet the other people that are in that family face to face is absolutely invaluable. It's it's so important to um, well it's it's delightful to have those connections and to be able to see those people face to face. Yeah, it is really good. It's amazing how how barbecue has been able to afford us these opportunities to make friends on on all different sides of the country. So would that have been twenty nineteen then? I think that was the last Burley. Yes, I think so. I don't know. The madness of the last couple of years has screwed with the calendar in my head. <laughs> yeah. The memory's not that flash anymore. Same, same. Yeah, I, I think that was probably 2019 because I I don't remember seeing you and I went to every Burley except that one, that that particular Burley. Um, I couldn't compete at. I was, I was registered to compete and then about 10 days before the competition, my wife's back surgeon rang up and said, hey, there's been a cancellation. We can get you in next week instead of six months time do you want to take it and so we we moved her surgery up so I couldn't I, I wasn't able to compete then because she needed me to take care of her at home I managed to get in for about an hour but I must have missed you yeah quite possibly could have been that short that we missed each other but that's that's really the only legitimate excuse to miss barbecue isn't it it's family you know family always comes first there's no other excuse though to miss barbecue no no I mean you know broken down car you got RACQ or an RMA to come along and fix you up. So that's not an excuse. Um, yeah. You know, we, we, we've seen teams uh, FIFOing these barbecue competitions now. They fly in, fly out. So trying to say, oh, you know, it's it's just too far to go to take my stuff. That's cool. You can borrow someone else's stuff. That's <laughs> another, remarkable. Another big plus about the barbecue family is how much they are willing to help each other out in order to see each other. Exactly. We want you there. We want you to participate. Yeah, yeah. Now, in your experience as a judge, because uh, I've, I've done judging a couple of times as well, so I know this sometimes happens. What's the worst box that you've come across? Just a complete wipeout. I don't think I've had a worst box that I can remember, but I have had a bad round I can remember. And um, that was a particularly cold night in Perth. And I understand later that the teams, where we were situated in the city, that the teams did have problems with getting their cook going, settling in for the night, and then had um, a few homeless people coming, wandering through, taking a sneak peek, opening up their pits to see what was going on and massively affecting the temperatures and the cooks. And it was a cold night anyway, so it was tough for them. That round of brisket that we were judging, there wasn't a single good brisket in it. It was just tough from start to finish. And it was was reflective of how 
what the teams were up against the night before. But you don't know that when you get there as a judge. You only find these things out afterwards and you just think, goodness me, that was pretty shocking round of brisket. But then you hear afterwards these are the elements that they were dealing with. It's like, oh, poor things. Yeah, so what happens in those kind of sort of really um, unexpectedly adverse situations? Are Are there dispensations made? for the fact that they had people interfering with their pits or is it just you just got to judge the box as it is on the day regardless? Yeah, that's exactly right. So as I said, we as judges, you're not privy to those sorts of things uh, when you show up to judge. It's not until afterwards that you find out that there were extenuating circumstances or um, this particular team's marquee blew away overnight, those sorts of things um, that when you when you go there to judge with KCBS, it's under the double blind system anyway. So you don't know who you're judging. Um, they don't know who's judging their box. Um, and you just have to do the assessment based on your training as a judge. There is no, we'll shift the scale based mm. on what you've had to deal with. This is the way it is. Okay, interesting. Um all right then. So let's uh, let's flip it then. What are some of the best boxes that you've come across? Things that you've just gone, oh yes, amazing. I have to say that the um, pork round in Burley. There was a pork there that was the most amazing pork that I had ever eaten in my life. Um, it was seasoned beautifully it was balanced beautifully between its its sweet and its salty and again after that competition we found out that that team had forgotten to include sauce oh my goodness we forgot to put barbecue sauce on it now sauce is optional um but they had managed to cook it so beautifully that the sauce wouldn't have highlighted it any it better taken away than from what it or was, something. Yeah, than what it was as the product that they gave us. It was an amazing tasting pork and the flavours were all there. It may, if they put sauce on it, the pork may pork flavour may have been hidden in the end. They were <laughs> kicking themselves because of they'd, they'd forgotten sauce, but I'm pretty sure they got, some high scores in that because it was absolutely lovely. Awesome. Wow, that's, a, that's interesting that a, that a happy accident managed to turn out so well. <laughs> I hope it did. I didn't, I didn't remember who the team was or how their scores panned out. Okay. Well, if, you, if you're out there and you forgot to put sauce on your pork, let us know in the comments below and <laughs> uh, we'll, uh, we'll give you a special shout out next time. Now, I did say at the top of the episode, one of the things that you uh, wrote to me in our email exchanges before this was that you prefer sides to mains. Why is that? Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just the kind of person who likes a little bit of everything. So, um, and perhaps I get bored with food that, you know, brisket's great, but if that's all you're having all the time, then things get pretty boring and, and it'd have to be something really unusual 
to stand out for me these days, given how much I've experienced it. But if you're, if you, if you've got some gorgeous cornbread or some, um, a really unusual way of doing coleslaw or your pickles are second to none because you do them yourselves, all of those sorts of things. I'm into tasting a little bit of everything. If I could just have a barbecue platter that was literally a little bit of everything, I'm happy as a clam. Oh, interesting. All right. So do you have a particular favourite side? Not really. I probably would have in, in previous years, but there are, I'm, I'm very open to trying new, new, new things and new flavours. So if you can... Um, if you've got a side that is different to something that I've had before, it's likely going to stand out. It's likely going to be, that's an interesting combination. I'm totally into that. I'd, I'd have it again, no doubt. I like to, I like to expand, expand on the flavours and combinations that I know. Okay. That's cool. So what, uh, what sort of particular pairings do you find work well? Like a, like a brisket and a pickle or a, a cornbread and barbecue chicken or something like that? Yeah, I also believe cornbread goes with everything, so that's probably <laughs> um, But there are just the different, the different number of uh, – the different types of pickles that you can get um, even commercially in restaurants – there are some that really stand out for me, and I don't know if it's um, if it's an old Croatian recipe where they combine pickled onions and then they have a pickled cabbage dish as well, which is obviously through pickled cabbage can be done so differently through the different areas of Europe and and Germany has their own and England has their own. Um, some of them really stand out, but I'm as Angareffa said, by the time you finished your meal, people are already thinking about what they're going to eat for their next meal. So I don't necessarily remember what they were and where I had them. I just remember having a great experience. Oh, very nice. Now, speaking of people finishing the meal and then thinking about what they're going to eat next, where do you stand on barbecue desserts? Are you a barbecue desserts lady or do you prefer your barbecue stay, your dessert stays out of the barbecue? Oh, I'm totally in desserts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I need all the sweetness you can, I can possibly ingest. Um, I, I, I also am a big fan of pies. My mum, um, used to make pies when we were growing up and it could be anything from a choc barbarian, apple, lemon meringue, all of those sorts of things. So I have a soft spot for pies anyway. Um, so any desserts that can be done in barbecue, I think is fantastic. I don't think that that barbecue should be limited to um, just these proteins or just this particular style of, of doing a dish. I think that the, the lengths that it can go to and um, what can be produced out of it is there's no stopping it. There's no, there's no limit on any of that. And, you know, the, I see a lot of pictures on Facebook of um, people who use their barbecue for pretty much everything um, at home in their own kitchens. 
and it, I'm absolutely gobsmacked, you know, like um, smoking the honey, smoking the cream for this dessert or, or smoking the chocolate or smoking the breadcrumbs that you put with your mac and cheese. There's nothing you can't do with it. And um, I tend to drool over a lot of those photos too. <laughs> Yeah, me too, me too. Look, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back in just a moment. In our modern lives, there are some things we need more of. More time, more money, more love from family and friends. Here at Smoking Hot Confessions, we believe all that can be done through barbecue. If this sounds like you too, then you're going to want to keep the last weekend of July free because we are bringing you Barbicon. Barbicon is a two-day virtual event with the sole purpose of helping you save time save money, and become the envy of your family and friends. We're bringing the best barbecue pitmasters and business owners from around the country live into your living room. They're going to show you not only what they do, but how they do it. If you're a backyard barbecuer, we're going to shorten that learning curve, eliminate the ruined meals going into the bin, and cement you as a barbecue legend among your family and friends. And if you're a barbecue business owner, we're going to share all the shortcuts to success, the tips and tricks to trim your budget and maximize profits, and build a thriving business that will help you take care of all your loved ones. Pre-registrations are open now, so hit the link in the description, bang in your details, and you'll be the first to be notified as soon as the early bird tickets are available, any specials that we're running, when we announce presenters, freebies, and more. So I'll see you there. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, and we're back now, Karina. And one of the things that I was really wanting to uh, to spend a bit of time talking about was your your work as a KCBS representative. So let's let's uh, kick things off with with how you first got into that. Um, I was a judge at the time, and uh, Garth came over from South Australia and. Uh, he and David Ong, uh, who's local, were reps for one of the smoking events, smoking charity events. And um, at that time, they asked me if I'd be interested in being a KCBS rep. For me, I saw it as something that I could definitely contribute to that and and it was um, uh, an extension of what... I was already doing as part of the barbecue community and it was exciting. It was, and I was really, really fortunate that during my training that I had um, Garth and David, but I also got to meet the international outreach team who came over here for Chidlo. So I got to do a little bit of my training directly with them as well, which was fantastic. Yeah, that does sound like a great opportunity. Now, a lot of us, uh, we are competitors or we're working at festivals. We don't really sort of get to see a lot of what the reps do because they're very much behind the scenes. Can you give us an, an idea of, of what a KCBS rep does? So um, we're there to, we basically run the judging on behalf of the teams. So we're there to ensure that the KCBS rules as have been defined are adhered to for teams and for judges in making sure that the that there is integrity and fairness in the competition and that all of the cooking teams have a fair crack um, to have their barbecue assessed. It, it does involve a fair bit of paperwork. Um, it does involve us. We will 
for a master series, which is over two days, we will show up on the first day and do a meat inspection and uh, address the teams if there's any questions that they need um, answered, any assistance that they need. We can help connect them with um, other people who can help them. Obviously, if it's about the KCBS rules, then we're the first port of call for them to um, get assistance. But it's also about connecting those people and that family to um, to help young teams as well, to help burgeoning teams. Um, on the second day that we show up, we're there basically to pull the judges, to remind the judges of their responsibilities and to make sure that the, the turn-in windows are met, that the judging happens in a timely fashion. And then we go through the process, process of um, putting all the scores together, doing a full audit on the scores, and then producing the results. Wow. So there's, uh, there's quite a lot going on there. Um, I just want to go back to the very first thing you said about making sure that the rules are ad- adhered to. So if, if something goes wrong, you're the person that has to deal with it. Yes. Um, and it, it, we're very, we try and be very transparent about what it is that, that we do. So the rules are written in such a fashion that everybody knows what box they're operating in. If there's any question about that, then um, the reps are there to to help guide them um, and make sure that they have the full understanding of what the rules are. And if everybody's on the same page about the rules, then everybody has a fair crack in getting their barbecue assessed. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. A lot of people like knowing exactly what that box is that they're allowed to operate in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any um, examples that you could share of when of when rules have been infringed, either deliberately or otherwise? Sure. There's been the occasional um, there's been the occasional muck up by a team who perhaps got a little rowdy and things like that. They're the kinds of things that uh, we have to address with the event organizer. Um, there has been the occasional question about the cut of a meat um, or the size of the meat. Now, our previous pork rule with KCBS determined a minimum size for um, the starting product for pork. And once or twice we've had to question whether or not it was the correct cut. Um, once here we had a pork turn-in and at turn in when the box was opened on the table the cut of pork that was being used was questioned but we were really lucky we had the international outreach team here at the time including Jim Johnson and he was able to um, liaise directly with the team and determine that it was a legal cut and everything was Mickey Mouse. Okay interesting so was the was the problem that it was too big or too small? For that turn in box um, the the problem was that it included an extraordinary amount of fat. I wasn't on the table, so I don't know. Um, but I think it was presented as, as burnt ends, uh, pork burnt ends. So, which is highly unusual. And I don't think had been seen previously before in competition barbecue, uh, in Western Australia. So the judges immediately raised the question, is this legal? Um, and it determined that it was part of the correct part of the pork that they were using for their cook. That's just how they chose to present it. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
Cool. Now, you, you mentioned that um, sometimes people get a little bit rowdy. So you even have to be responsible for uh, behavioral issues at competitions, not just issues with the boxes. Um, yes, because it is written in our rules that there is a, a quiet time. And again, that's to make sure that all of the teams have uh, a fair and equal playing field. So it's for, for teams that are um, family teams, who might have young'uns there, uh, it's not really fair on them if um, someone's running a muck at 2am and um, affects their their family dynamic or the dynamic of the team next to them. I don't think it's something that's necessarily done deliberately, but in terms of, of teams stepping over the line in that fashion, that's usually something that's done in conjunction with the event organiser. So the event organiser on occasion has um, gotten there before us and and dealt with it. There has been occasions where when the KCBS reps arrive on turn-in day that we get a few people running up to us and saying we'd like to make a complaint because of X, Y, Z. We then go through the processes of having to deal with that and address it with the event organiser and then move forward. Oh, wow. So before the the competition can actually kick off properly. You've got to deal with all those complaints first. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't happen very often. And, and um, I, th- I think we're really lucky that, that people understand the, what, what teams actually put in to get there. I think that a lot of people understand that if you're spending that much money on your equipment, on your logistical transport, on your um, proteins, that you don't want to waste that opportunity by doing something silly. Yeah, completely agree. Totally. Um, now, you, you mentioned earlier as well uh, score audits. How mm-hmm. does that work? What's, what's happening with that? <coughs> Excuse me. So we, we do our best um, to always have two reps. There's always two reps um, at a KCBS event. It would it, – and likely more if there's a certain number of teams, if we get in a third rep. If there's an extra number of teams over that, we get in a fourth rep. The, the process of auditing the scores is to make sure, is to try and remove the, um, the human element to it. We want to make sure that what the judges have decided um, is exactly what is reflected to the teams. So... One person will take care of the data entry. Second person will come along and conduct an audit on those scores. And if there is any, um, because you are, you're dealing with, much to my disgust, it turns out I'm a human being, um, you, when you're doing the data entry, there, there is bound to be occasionally a one that's wrong. And having that second person there to audit it every single time, every single competition without fail, eliminates that and makes sure that what we are reporting to the teams is genuinely what the judges have determined. Yeah. So you're basically double checking each other's work. Is that what you're saying? All the time. Oh, excellent. Excellent. And so obviously for competitors, that means that, uh, that the overall results can be trusted and, and relied upon. Yes. Okay. And the other thing that, that I wanted to ask about was the double blind turn-ins. Why is that important and how does that work? For, for fairness, 
first and foremost to the teams um, and for competition integrity. If you are if you are in competition barbecue and you are going for the prize money or the bragging rights or whatever else, you genuinely want to know that that's legitimately how you stand. And because KCBS is worldwide, you know that you're going to know exactly how you stack up against um, other competitors in other countries as well. <coughs> um, it's important as part of that, that you don't know which judge is getting your turn in. And it's important that the judges do not know which team they're judging. Mm. I have heard on, I have heard, but from more experienced people and judges that, that they can pick flavor profiles, um, that they can pick what, what team they might potentially be judging based on those flavor profiles. I don't think we're an old enough um, sport in Australia yet to, to quite be there because we're still a very small pool too. Yeah, well, we just uh, recently did the judging for the ABA Awards over here just on the on the back balcony here at my house. And uh, there were some of us who thought that we were picking the flavor profiles of the different rubs and sauces. And uh, later on, when it was all said and done and the awards were handed out uh, just last week, we got to have, we got to look back and go, oh, maybe we're not as good as we thought we were at, uh, at, at picking whose flavor profiles we thought belonged to whom. It was an interesting. That's a, good uh, part of, uh, that's a good part of the blind system as well. Is that it takes that assumption away, and that that the teams are being fairly assessed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, now you also did mention um, internationally before. So, of course, KCBS originated in Kansas City, hence Kansas City Barbecue Society. It's here in Australia. Where else in the world can can people go and compete? Um. Almost every continent now, I think, except wow. Antarctica. Um, they're in Costa Rica. I know that um, the international outreach team has been down to um, further down to South America, perhaps Argentina. But we're in Canada, um, the UK, Italy. Um, we have a lot of reps, fortunately, in Europe who do extensive travel. So. Our, we might have reps in Austria who will actually travel to Finland to do an event. Um, Australia is a little bit bigger, so we've got a few reps on either side of the country here. Um, where else? Finland, I think I've seen them. Yeah, Great Britain, Netherlands, um, and, of course, the US as well. Um, that was the – in putting together the international outreach team, uh, Kansas City Barbecue Society wanted to uh, spread the love of barbecue, as it were, and provide that training around the world so that it was all being measured by the same standard. So these days, if you are a, um, a competitor um, or if you are a certified barbecue judge with KCBS, you can attend an event anywhere around the world, a KCBS event anywhere around the world. If you're a competitor, you can you will know that the standard in Canada is the same as the standard in Australia that this, and it's the same as the standard in Italy as well. It's all being uh, trained and judged based on 
um, that one standard that's been set by KCBS. So it makes it a lot easier for, for teams to travel and know that they're in with a chance in different countries as well. Outstanding. And it gives us all a chance too to say, hey, honey, I've booked us a family holiday. We're going to Italy and we're doing a barbecue competition. We have also had judges who have decided once they've received their qualifications as a certified barbecue judge who have started planning uh, international travel based on competitions that are coming up in the calendar, whether it be the US or somewhere else, that they might be able to stick their hand up and say, I'm available to help judge. That is fantastic. I love the sound of that completely. Now, the one last thing that I wanted to touch on before we move on is you've actually opened up a, a side business attached to all this as well. You, you are the, the, the founder of uh, Barbecue Wear AU. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes. So primarily shipping from the US became exorbitant uh, was always high, but became exorbitant and a little untenable for people who wanted KCBS merchandise. Um, so we sought permission from head office, which we were granted, to actually um, to run prints here of KCBS gear. And um, Rob and I are doing that uh, together as a partnership. And we are hoping that with the funds that we make from that, we will be able to... Um, fund some stuff for KCBS that we could definitely use in Australia. And they might be things like um, it could get to a point where sending out the trophies um, might be too expensive or we will be able to get to a point where not only producing that stuff here but we will be able to do the trophy recognition for each of the categories for Team of the Year, so the brisket, the pork, the ribs and the chicken. Um, and extending on what, uh, extending on the recognition that KCBS can give here in Australia to our competing teams. Yeah, nice. So they're they're licensed designs, but made in Australia. Um, That's correct. Locally in in WA, I'm assuming. Yes. Right with with proceeds to be turned back into the barbecue community. Absolutely, absolutely. That's incredible. I love that and. Where can people track that down? Um, Barbecuewhereareyou.square.site and um, we have capped postage of $9.95 anywhere in Australia. Uh, You can get caps, polos, T-shirts. We still have some hoodies at this stage. And uh, next winter we are hoping that we can do a beanie run as well because a couple of our comps are sort of in the cooler months. If we can get some beanies going, we certainly will. Yeah, gentlemen like myself, we love a good beanie. <laughs> Gets a little bit cold on the uh, on the poor old bald head. Listen, that's a great uh, a, a great initiative, and I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing some more of that merch get out there, and then the the benefits of that be sort of filtered back into the community. Absolutely great work, and I love what you're doing there. So that's a great point for us to uh, take a small break, and we'll be back shortly. Now that we've just pitched the uh, the KCBS merch through Barbecue Wear AU, let's pitch the Smoking On Confessions merch as well. So if you're uh, if you're out there and you're looking for t-shirts, hoodies, beanies, 
uh, tumblers. We've got our beautiful tumblers here. Uh, winter is coming, the cold weather is coming, but there's no need for you to be cold while you're out by the pit. So we've got uh, nice thick warm hoodies, we've got beanies, and of course those tumblers that I mentioned before, they keep the hot drinks hot in the winter and they keep the cold drinks cold in the summer. So head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com slash shop and do check them out. They're very good stuff. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. All righty, Karina, this is the last section of our of, of our show today. And uh, given your love of cocktails, I thought it might be a, a good opportunity for us to, uh, to, to talk about cocktails a little bit and, you know, which ones match with uh, with which type of barbecue, all that sort of stuff. So I'm going to throw it over to you, and I'm just going to absorb your wisdom. <laughs> I, yeah, cocktails don't necessarily make you smarter, Ben, okay? But they are a lot of fun. No, but I said that this conversation would make me smarter. I didn't say the cocktails <laughs> would make me smarter. Okay. Um, I think everybody knows that that bourbon pairs nicely with barbecue. It's, it's a standard that you um, – that you can't go past. It's, it's a lot of, um, it's a go-to for a lot of people. And I understand that I never appreciated bourbon until I married it with barbecue and it comes up really nicely. So I do recommend that everyone give smoked dice a crack. So when you fire up your smoker, put in a tray of water. Um, and when it gets to temperature and you're ready to put your meat in, take the water out, pop it aside. Once it's cooled down, turn that into ice blocks and use those ice blocks in your bourbon drinks. It gives it something else. Make sure it's obviously uh, when you're starting your smoker, not when you're finishing your smoker, because if you do smoke dice at the end, you'll get a nice full-bodied brisket-flavoured ice. Yes, that is possible. I have tasted it. Um, but do it at the beginning when you've got the nice, clean, um, clean smoker, clean smoke going, and it really does wonders for cocktails as well as uh, bourbon cocktails as well as straight bourbon, sipping bourbon. That's probably the only advice I'd give to people with regards to barbecue and cocktails. Yeah. The rest of it has just been a uh, an experiment or a, an adventure, a journey uh, with me and a few friends of working our way through different products and it only started because I had a stack of bottles here and I thought well I better make the effort to use them so I started looking into cocktails and and it turns out that I really like cocktails so those bottles got restocked and then we added to it as well so I didn't whistle down the amount of bottles I had in the house at all it's actually done the reverse but it's good fun (laughs) like a mad scientist just getting in there and mixing them all up I love it now for those listeners and viewers who are not uh familiar with the Aussie accent, perhaps you're not uh, not from around Australia, um, Karina actually said she recommends giving smoked ice a crack, and giving it a crack means giving it a try. <laughs> she was not recommending you smoke ice and crack. Um, no, <laughs> no. You'd think I'd know better than that I'd be more aware of things like that coming out of my mouth. I Living in the neighbourhood, <laughs> I do. But yes, okay, thank you, Ben. Yeah, I just thought I better just just clarify that. Um, so putting putting smoked ice into bourbon, I mean, 
bourbon obviously matches well because we're we're cooking things over a wood-based fire and bourbon obviously matures in in wooden barrels so you can see the sort of the the relationship there have you tried the smoked ice in in other things like have you crushed it in a um in a uh, daiquiri for example something like that no i have tried it with um i have tried it with uh, a silver tequila so as opposed to a mezcal which gives you that really smoky flavor anyway um adding the element to a silver tequila does does get you part of the way there and i find that a more mild cocktail in some instances than actually using um uh some of the darker tequilas it does work well with some rums as well um so long as you're what you're actually doing with it because the smoke and the ice are on the heavy side in terms of taste. That's, that's really going to punch your taste buds um, out a little bit, balance it with something light. So balancing it with your, um, your sodas or your light peach flavors and things like that would actually work really, really nicely. That does sound good. All right, I want to play a little bit of word association with you, but I'm going to uh, to 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 <laughs> I'm going to put a, a a bit of a clear rule on it. I'm going to say a particular type of barbecue protein, and I want you to say the first cocktail that comes to mind in terms of pairing it together. Oh goodness me! Yeah, I, I, I don't always eat and drink at the same time. Sometimes it's you know, sometimes Just it's drinking toast <laughs> and then cocktails with the girls. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. All right. Well let's let's start off easy then. Let's start with brisket. I do like the rums. I do like the heavy because you, you need something that's not going to be insipid with a brisket. Um and particularly those that are done in the um Texas style with the heavy peppers and things like that. You need something that's going to be able to stand up against it or next to it. Um I would go some rums and there's a Fijian rum that I'm doing some cocktails for this weekend, actually, that has tropical elements to it as well, but they're kind of hidden. They're not in your face. So you can almost get the coconut. You almost get the pineapple. It marries beautifully with this nice dark rum. I'd go that with some brisket easy. Sounds good to me. How about smoked buffalo wings? Smoked buffalo wings. It, I. Because I'm a bit of a spice wuss, um, I would definitely be going something that's bubbly. So something that is actually mixed with um, uh, like a, a, a raspberry or a lemon, something that's going to lighten my taste buds as I'm drinking it. But I'm a spice wuss. Fair enough. All right. Pulled pork. Pulled pork. Um, I can't go past peach. So I would recommend um, bourbon, peach, with maybe um, done in done in the old fashioned style. So um, I did that for uh, up in Baker's Hill last year. Um, a maraschino cherry, a slice of orange, muddle that in the bottom, mix it with some bourbon and some peach. Absolutely beautiful. Peach and pork to me is lovely. Sounds delicious. Yeah. Okay. And so last one because this is Australia. What about lamb ribs? I'd find it very hard to to put a cocktail with lamb ribs and I'll explain why. 
I really thoroughly enjoy cocktails and I thoroughly enjoy going, yeah, that worked. Those flavours are nice. I'm going to have another one of that. With lamb ribs, it's not just rich and indulgent, it's all-encompassing. When I, when I have lamb ribs, it takes 100% of my attention. So I'm not having a drink with lamb ribs necessarily. Oh, interesting. Okay. But again, all right, because it's right. very heavy and very rich, you would have to go something that's going to have a uh, soda mixer in it to help lighten and refresh the taste buds. Okay, probably something sort of towards the sour end of the scale to to compensate the fat in the lamb. Yeah, so do anything that's citrus-based or um, maybe I know a lot of people like um, the the bitter orange flavours, so the Camparis and your Negroni cocktails and things like that. Perhaps that would balance with it given how rich lamb is. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. I love everything you just said. So good. So good. Look, that's probably a good point for us to start wrapping up the show. So I'm going to throw it over to you now. Give some thanks, give some praise, give some shout outs to people that have helped you out along the way and make sure that you tell everybody where they can track you down on the internet. Um, Well, a couple of quick shout outs and that's to the the extended barbecue family that I haven't been able to see face to face for quite some time now. Um, Peter McDalton, James Park, Peter McManus, Scott Coleman, um, Garth Welsh in South Australia as well. Hopefully in the next couple of years, as things ease, we can get back face-to-face. Um, I've met a lot of lovely people around Australia um, in the barbecue scene. Hi, Braden. Um, what I think that barbecue should... I th- what I think barbecue does is actually connect people and those connections are just invaluable. There's so many gorgeous people in barbecue and I really appreciate them all. Um, you can fight, keep up to date with what we're doing in Australia via Facebook, KCBS Australia on Facebook. We will always announce um, what competitions we have coming up or if there's any special events um, that we are assisting with will be done through that page. And also good chats happen through that page sometimes too. No doubt. It is one of the greater pages out there for sure. Well, listen, thank you very much for your time. Um, I realise that it, that it is the, uh, the middle of a busy work day for you. So I, I appreciate you taking time out to come on the board, the show and, and have a chat with me. And I wish you all the best of luck with, uh, with Barbecue Where Are You? And of course, all the great work you're doing with KCBS as well. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. All the best to your family. And there you have it, family. That was Karina Rumens. KCBS representative for Western Australia, founder of Barbecue Ware AU, a side business set up to generate money to turn back into the KCBS barbecue community over in WA over there. Some great things happening. I love to catch up with all that. And as I did say at the top of this episode, this is the first of a special series that we're doing, um, interviewing the most influential women in barbecue at this present time. So it was great that, uh, that that Karina was brave enough to jump in first and have a chat, and I'm really looking forward to catching up with her next time I head over to WA. So that's about all the time that we do have for today. Remember, BarbieCon is coming. There's great merch up on the Smoking on Confessions website. And until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.